What's going on, guys? And welcome to Bonkers Cards Podcast, episode number three. Super stoked. This week's podcast, I have my first ever guest. It is the president of REA Auctions, Brian Dwyer. I got to interview him over at the Just Collect Card Shop over in Milburn, New Jersey over the weekend, asking him about his upcoming spring auction, as well as what his take was on the vintage market. So very excited to get into that interview in just a couple of minutes, guys, but wanted to give a summary of what's been going on lately in the card world from my perspective. Uh, this past week, uh, there was a number of different card shows going off on the East Coast, most notably the Hofstra Show. Uh, there was a ton of people out at that show. My local show over in Garfield, New Jersey, where I was at on Sunday, uh, it was noticeably um, quite smaller because you had the Hofstra Show. Um, there was also, I think, one other show out in Long Island. So things were constantly moving. But uh, in terms of the number of dealers at my local show, I didn't have as many. Uh, for those of you watching on YouTube, if you're uh, listening on Apple or Spotify podcasts, you won't be able to see this. But I did pick up some beautiful vintage from the 50s, Clemente, Yogi, Hank, always picking up um, the iconic names. Uh, so it was a good time there. Um, also, last week, for a lot of people um, that might not have seen my video, as you all know, I'm a huge 1954 Tops collector, and I was able to upgrade um, my coveted Hank Aaron rookie card into an SGC 4.5. So I unfortunately will be parting way with my SGC 1 Hank Aaron, which you guys will all remember uh, if you watched one of my first viral videos was me unboxing my 1954 Tops Hank Aaron. So I am going to be sad to see it go, but I can't complain having an SGC 4.5. Uh, that was an awesome get for me. So if anybody is out there interested in watching, I do have an SGC 1 54 Tops Hank Aaron that I am going to be looking to trade or sell. So if you are interested in potentially doing a trade with me, um, I am looking for about $21.50 in total value for my Hank Aaron SGC1. So um, please reach out, shoot me a DM, comment, like this post, uh, let me know that you're interested and I'll be happy to talk some deals. Um, so those are the big events that have been going on in the hobby for me. Um, if you guys have been enjoying these podcasts, please like, subscribe, share with your other hobby friends. I'd be happy to do it. Um, but for this week's podcast, I want to get right into it. So please enjoy my interview with the president of REA Auctions, Brian Dwyer. So I'm here with Brian Dwyer, president of REA Auctions, talking about the upcoming spring auction. Brian, so awesome. So excited to get to talk today about your auction. Uh, how have things been going so far? It's off to a good start. Just opened up a week ago. We're almost at $7 million. So really, really, really strong start. So it's $7 million in total bidding activity thus far. Total bid, yeah, 3,900 okay. lots. And when does the auction close? Uh, Sunday the 23rd. So we've got about 10 days left. And so walk me through, because is that when it's the close close, or isn't there an extended beer, uh, extended bidding process that starts? What does that look like? Yeah, it's open to everybody in the whole world until 9 p.m. Eastern on that final day. And then at 9 p.m. it goes to, into that extended bidding period. So only people who have bid on that item can continue to bid on that item. So it gets a little bit more serious at 9 o'clock. Got it. Okay. So key is get on REA, any of these cards that you see, throw a bid on it. That way you can be in on the, the final showdown Sunday night. Got to be in it to win it. Awesome. So I wanted to pull out a couple of the cards. We have a bunch of them here for show here at the Just Collect office here in Milburn, New Jersey. Um, and, you know, I'm blown away at the quality of stuff you guys have at auction. So I wanted to ask you what your favorite card was we have here. I'm a big fan of this 32 U.S. Caramel Ruth. So we made it lot number one in the auction. It's graded PSA 8. There's only two higher by PSA ever. Um, and this is a card that has not come up for sale in this condition in more than a decade. Wow. So it's already at about $175,000. Uh, I think it'll go for much more than that, probably 250 plus. 
And I'm just excited because I've never seen one this nice. Yeah, no, I mean, you talk about the condition. I, I know for my audience, when I'm trying to talk to people about vintage cards, like it's a huge deal when you see a card over a three or four for me. Like anytime you see it in that well of a condition and it's that old, it's impressive. I mean, to have that grade, you like you said, you just don't see it. So the last sale was 10 years ago. Where do you think it's going to finish when it's all said and done? I think that the final price on this card will start um, creeping towards $300,000 when it's all said and done. And, and so... How does that compare, I guess, to the 33 Gaudi Ruths, right? Because when I think of a Bay Ruth card, I immediately go to that iconic 33 Gaudi full stance or the green back, yellow back, et cetera. How does that compare in terms of valuation of that card and I guess the rarity as well? Yeah, so this card's definitely more rare, but that can sometimes hurt a card's value. So I think uh, Gaudis are known to sell for three, four, five dollars $500,000 plus in this condition. They're more widely collected. There are more options to choose from. Um, I think this card's a bargain at 300000 as crazy as that sounds. And if it went for more, it wouldn't surprise me. But I think uh, it'll be fun to watch. Now, that's an interesting point and one that I've thought a lot about in the hobby where a card that is more rare is not always valued higher. And to me, intuitively, I would think, especially for the example of the 33 Gaudi, um, there's the Canadian version of the 33 Gaudis, yeah. um, the World Worldwide Gum, Gum. Worldwide Gum cards. Those cards are way more rare, but they don't go for the premium that the U.S. Gaudi card does. So intuitively, it's more rare. It should be more valuable. What is holding it back from scarcity making it more valuable? I think sometimes it's just knowledge that you know people don't even know that it exists, right? So we get uh, fixated on these mainstream Gaudis. We get fixated on these mainstream Tops cards. And sometimes people don't deviate to see what else is out there. And so that can hurt these cards, um, but I think it makes some great values. And I think anything high grade, anything Ruth, and rarity is king. I mean, I think a card like this U.S. Uh, US Caramel really fits the bill. Yeah. Is, is there any other iconic players in the U.S. Caramel set? Uh, so you've got Ty Cobb. Um, U.S. Caramel is also very cool because it has cards of guys like Bobby Jones, and it has some um, non-baseball players. So cool. it's a very cool set that uh, I think doesn't get its, get its respect. But hopefully this will... This will draw some eyes to it. Yeah, no, I mean, that's the type of stuff that I love to see. I think the the novelty vintage stuff that's been able to hold on through the years. I mean, we're approaching it being a 100-year-old card. And again, the, the condition is awesome. I mean, I wanted to pull out a couple of these cards here just to uh, just to showcase the quality of this stuff. I mean, um, having two PSA 9 rookie cards of Sandy Koufax and Clemente here is incredible. Um, Brian and I were just speaking before. Um, where is this card at right now? So this uh, Clemente card is at seven hundred and eighty thousand dollars, and the Kofax is right behind it at about two hundred and fifty-five thousand. Right. So we're t the current sum of these two cards is already at a million dollars, and um, we expect this Clemente card to go north of one million. The last two have broken a million. Okay, so if the last two have broken a million, we should feel pretty confident that this PSA 9 Clemente will follow suit. Um, I also, I had to bring out uh, my favorite personal card is the 1954 Tops Hank Aaron rookie card. Um, I just acquired this for my personal set. I've been building this set for a long time, but I don't have it in a 7.5. Um, this is a gorgeous example of the card. Uh, the centering and color of this card is iconic. Um, absolutely beautiful. We expect this to go somewhere in the 40s, 50s range. Uh, probably 30,000. 30,000. So, so that's a bargain. Yeah, there you go. That's the budget. <laughs> um, I also wanted to pull out um, the 48 Leaf Jackie and the 49 oh, Bowman Jackie. Oh. So what... I'm stunned with, again, is the condition of this 49 Bowman Jackie. So I guess to you, can you speak at all to the 49 Bowman set and the importance of this card? Yeah, I mean, it's it's an iconic card from a great set. I mean, Bowman... 
very short window, 48 to 55. Jackie, obviously prime of his career, 49, MVP season. So this is just a dynamite card. It's all there, sharp corners, great centering, great color. Um, and again, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars, but worth every penny. Yeah, no, I mean, the PSA 9 aspect to it's great. I've always struggled with the way the 48 Leaf Jackie looks. This, to me, is what his rookie card is. It's not the most pleasant shot of Jackie Robinson, in my opinion. So when you think of what the grail Jackie Robinson card is, to you, what is that? So I'm like you. I think the Leaf cards, but, you know, if you if you look at a lot of Leaf cards, they're not all created equal. They right. have, they're off-center. They've got registration issues. They've got uh, uh, print lines on them. This one, which is part of a whole set that we're breaking up, great color, no registration issues, no print lines. I mean, this one's dialed in. Yeah. No, I, I, you can tell it's a beautiful example. Again, it's in a PSA 6 condition. Um, the Leaf set's beautiful. I know that you guys have a Babe Ruth 48 Leaf on display as well, which is awesome. But uh, I'm excited to see where that goes. For me personally, uh, my favorite Jackie Robinson's the 53 Tops. Um, the image is iconic. I love the, the bridge in the background. Uh, I think it's just a really cool card. I know, I believe we have one down here and look at that. Yes, we do. Yes, we shall receive. <laughs> so this is a PSA nine version of this copy. I mean, geez, that's beautiful. Yeah, no. Th and this is another one that has not come up for sale in this condition in a very long time. Um, could be 200, could be 400. Um, really excited to see how that goes, but I agree with you. It's an iconic card and, uh, can't get better than a nine really. So I, you know, in an auction environment like this, you never know what's going to happen, especially if there's two bidders that are really excited and both like the same card. Have you ever seen that happen where a card really exceeds its expectations because there's two guys that really want it? Yeah, and that's what we live for, right? Yeah. That's, why we, that's why we play the game. So we try and get as many guys involved, as many eyeballs on the auction as possible, bring them in, see what happens. And so sometimes we're really pleasantly surprised. Um, but if you want something, you know, you got to be high man at the end of the auction. And I can imagine um, the frequency of that happening probably increases when you have cards like the Caramel where they just don't come up in a decade. You don't know when the next chance is that you're going to have it going for this card. So I can understand how that can kind of pop up. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, you, you're going to have to be a market maker on a card like this. So um, that's why I said, you know, it could be 300, could be 400, could be 700. Nothing would surprise me because we have nothing to compare it to. Yeah, wow. I mean, unbelievable cards. Um, again, um, these guys are down here at the Just Collect, Shalop, uh, Just Collect Shop here in Millburn, New Jersey. Um, I'll be showcasing some of the other cards that they have up for sale. Brian, I just wanted to ask you before um, we part ways, um, in terms of what you've been seeing in the vintage baseball card market, let's call it over the last six months, um, how do you feel the market has held up and in, in some of the downturns that maybe people have been speaking about? And what's your foresight into what the future looks like? Yeah, so I mean, I think from my experience and then even just looking at all the data, vintage has been the strongest area of this market. So we've seen tremendous consistency. We've seen a lot of new people coming in. We've seen people gravitating towards these big names, these Robinsons, Clementes, Aarons, Ruths, Garrigs, Cobbs. Um, so I think it's, very, uh, it's a very strong market. I think it'll continue to be strong. And I think uh, obviously there's no wrong way to collect, but vintage is, is a pretty cool area to, to be in right now. Yeah, I, I was given the advice a long time ago to collect what you love. And I think uh, a lot of people gravitate to these iconic names because they can, you know, associate themselves either to that team, that player at the time. So I know once you get to this level, it is important to uh, have a very firm understanding of what the valuations are in the market. But it's good to hear that vintage has held up well, even in some of the more, you know, turbulent times and a lot of, uh, you know, call them alternative asset classes over the last year. So um, I really appreciate the time and unbelievable collection and uh, best of luck at the auction on Sunday. Yeah, I appreciate it. Awesome. Thanks, guys.